Hello and welcome back to Save Track Bike. I'm your co-host Joshua. And I'm Chris. This podcast is about everything fixed gear. So first off, Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, today I've picked up a um, an IPA again. It's a 6.5 from a company called uh, Vocation. And it's they're named Life and Death. But what, what uh, drew me to this one is the um, inscription on the back of the can. I really, I really like it. It just starts off like, this is life and death. Three kilos of hops and 40 kilos of barley selfishly gave their lives to brew this barrel of beer. I just think that kicks it off pretty well. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have it in my hand, but I'm about to have a whiskey. Uh, and honestly, it's just a bourbon from Trader Joe's. <laughs> and it's only like, I think it's, do you guys have Trader Joe's in Europe? No, is isn't Trader Joe's like a mechanics warehouse? No? <laughs> no. It sounds like it would be that. It does, right? No, Trader Joe's is like a It's not really like a natural food store or like a co-op, but it kind of has that vibe, but it's kind of like, like a, Is it like a Whole Foods? It's like a discount Whole Foods. Like Okay. But it's uh, they're really known for kind of their wine selection and like they kind of just take popular products and like rebrand them under their own brand name so then they sell them way cheaper my kind of whole foods yeah there you go and um they like do their own beers and all kinds of stuff but you always are getting like higher quality more expensive stuff but since it's in like the trader joe's bottle you know it's only like they're kind of famous for their like three dollar wines that aren't the worst thing you've ever had (laughs) sounds like we need that shit over here yeah so their bourbon is surprisingly good i'm judging by the bottle i'm pretty sure it's like it's in the realm of like a a bullet um bourbon um which i don't know if you guys have that in the uk either but uh it's really good usually it's like a 30 40 dollar bottle of whiskey but at trader joe's it's like 18 dollars. so <laughs> i need to get into whiskey i accidentally bought my wife whiskey once thinking it was rum and she like first shouted at me but now she loves whiskey when she finished that and now she all she drinks her spirit is whiskey now nice yeah we have like a gnarly <laughs> storm going out right now like we have super high winds like 50 mile an hour wind gusts and it's snowing uh so it's kind of horrible out right now and so whiskey just sounds really good that would be perfect yeah and i like to make like an old-fashioned but i don't really I didn't really feel like making any simple syrup, and when that happens, I just put maple syrup in it instead. So, so you're technically Canadian. Yeah, there you go. It's a Canadian old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because my, you know, ancestors are French, and, uh, you know, a lot of French folks moved to Louisiana. You know, they immigrated there in the 1800s and then a lot immigrated to Canada. And I just really wish that my family were the ones that immigrated to Canada, but we ended up in Louisiana. (laughs) Isn't Louisiana famous for like hot wings and blues and stuff like that? Not really hot wings, but there is, they have their own cuisine. You know, they, it's either Creole or Cajun. So today we are speaking with Chris from, not you Chris, but a different Chris from Squid Bikes. Um, If you're not familiar with them, they started out as like a cyclocross bike company and now they also make track bikes, uh, kind of more geared towards fixed gear crits and street riding. And then they are also one of the few companies that, one second. I hope we keep this in the cut because basically Josh is trying to attend to his little cat and it's the most hilarious thing ever. What? I'm just trying to talk to the narrative of like why you disappear from your mic sometimes like you have a cat a cat that sounds like a child screaming in the background. <laughs> I know, that cat. Um, they're also one of the few companies that manufactures a and actually in partnership with BLB Bricklane Bikes um, they make a track lacrosse bike and That's right, yeah. yeah. So the, the one I think from Bricklane bikes, uh, in Europe is already painted, but squid bikes is also a distributor of spray bike, the kind of bike spray paint. 
And so they do all custom painted frames or you can get it raw and buy your own paint with a discount. Nice. When I was living in Melbourne, Australia, it's when I first heard of Squid Bikes. And I think they brought a team out there and they were going to like the Japanese um, UCI cyclocross championships, I think, or something, or, or, or some kind of cyclocross race, but it was UCI sanctioned. And I think they brought a full UCI team out. And I was like, these frames are rad and they're racing on steel and um, everyone else is obviously on like, the carbon and the zip wheels and whatnot. And these gnarly crew just came through just like yeah we're just doing our own thing and yeah we're a uci team so what it's so punk rock i love it yeah that's one of the cool things we get to in the interview is that they are kind of built on their own wanting to put their personalities out through their brand and through their bicycles and they were kind of sick of all the you know the how uptight kind of the cyclocross and the more traditional cycling can be And that's one of the things I just love about the company. They're so small, they can kind of do whatever they want in a way. With that, you know, uh, interview with Chris from Squid, we are also talking about 2021. I keep wanting to say 2020 because it feels like this year didn't actually happen, even though a lot happened this year, but most of it all took place in the virtual world. So (laughs) It did. It did. 2019 was just a long yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we're kind of talking about you know maybe the vaccines are coming along although maybe there's like a wild strain of covid happening over in the uk but you know the vaccines are kind of being distributed out and you know we're all hoping that we'll be able to get back to having events and having social time with our friends and sports back next summer and if that is the case, what are our hopes and what are our resolutions? My fixed gear resolution would be definitely 100% try and get to a... a, a I've cycled in, uh, in America, but I've never done any races out there. So hopefully Monster Track, which I know I won't win. I just want to do it because that race is gnarly. And I would love to give um, my, uh, Mission Crit... A, a crack as well it's always something i've always wanted to do but there's also another race on the so on the west side there's another race i forget the name of it but it's it's an open sanctioned race i think oh what is it it's like bone race bone machine bone machine something like this yeah. bone machine crit yeah i want to give that one a crack yeah, this yeah. One, i want to give that one a crack yeah bone machine looks pretty cool i've had them on the podcast before too um i think my like 100% like if it happens this year is I will be in mission crit like nothing will stop me from going as soon as the date is announced and we're able to travel like I'm buying my ticket well the idea is that we'll be there giving everyone live coverage via this podcast hopefully yeah I think that would be ideal for sure and then also my other one is to go do a fixed 42 if it happens, like I need to go on a trip to Europe. I've I've never been on the European continent. Um, really? Yeah, and I would love to go and be there. And fixed forty two, just like it's kind of like my sensibility. Like it's it's uh it's on the road on a track bike, trying to go fast, and you know, yeah. <laughs> and with a kick ass after show party, I can't stress enough how good them parties are. Seriously. Yeah, that too. And plus, I've had Ingo on the podcast. I've had, you know, a lot of people that have done Fix 42. I've had, you know, I mean, you used to work for Rad Race. And, you know, so I have a lot of connection to it, but I've never actually, like, been. So it's it, it's hectic. It's like, um, it, it's what every other race wishes they could be. But I'm not just saying that because I used to be on the inside. I'm saying that I was like, a, I was in the inside wishing I was racing it because I was like, Fuck man, I've got to like stay up till three o'clock in the morning now sorting out content for this race. But I was I would totally wish I would have raced it. Anyway. No, I think that's a I think that's a good sign because you know, <laughs> usually when you you know leave a job you you hate the company or something. So if you uh if you don't hate the company and you still want to take place in the things that they're doing, then that's a good sign that that No, uh, abs- absolute op- opposite. Actually I was speaking with I don't know if you know uh Jonas. Um 
he's basically Ingo's right-hand man and one of their main races, and I've asked him to come on the podcast, and he, I think he's pretty keen, so uh, we get to hear it. Rad race from a rider's point of view from the inside as well soon. That'd be amazing. And we also have Margot. How do you say her Margot last name? Margot Vigie, Vigie, I think it is. Margot Vigie. Mar- yeah. We just interviewed her. That'll be out in a few weeks. Uh, you know, she had that amazing. I learned about it when we were recording our interview with her about her amazing uh, <laughs> uh, breakaway at the last Fix 42. That's it. And uh, but I didn't realize I in my head I'm almost like thinking French people they're just like born with a bike a bike in their in their, between their <laughs> legs but they the way she said she, she came from inline skating and then within like 3 years she's a professional cyclist somehow which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Um but we have a lot of fun guests coming up. So definitely if, uh, you know, you guys are out there, you know, and you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you should do that because this is going to be a killer season already. It's shaping up. So what other events do you want to try to get to? Like, I just have so many. Like, I've had the mustard the mustard crit people on. Like, that would be amazing to go to those. I've had the NL crit people on. That would be amazing. Um. I would love to do some resistance racing, like track lacrosse events. And that's going to tie into, a, you know, this squid bikes interview because, you know, they do make a track lacrosse bike. And my goal is to build one up here pretty soon. So I would love to get out on the dirt and do some track lacrosse. I mean, technically I have two possible track lacrosse bikes. You know, my mash Chinelli frame could be one and also my Brooklyn Machine Works V4 could definitely be one so I've got absolutely no excuse I should definitely try it out I, I know I said a few episodes ago that um, I'd be terrible at it but I'm only terrible at it because I, d- I don't do it so maybe actually I'm getting some Victoria cycle cross tires uh, in the next couple of days so I think I might mount them to one of them bikes and just hit one of my friends and just go find some trails in the park and just go and get absolutely muddy in my favorite cycling shoes and try my best not to be annoyed about that fact <laughs> <laughs> oh speaking of cycling shoes you got those new adidas ones yeah i did uh, but they stay in the box till spring right now so yeah if anyone doesn't know about this yeah adidas in the uk uh released a couple of pairs of cy- literally a couple of pairs of cycling shoes i was very lucky to get my hands on some it's uh, also good knowing someone on the inside of Adidas. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, for some reason, uh, maybe it just doesn't do well in the U.S. But uh, you can't get any of the Adidas uh, cycling gear in the U.S. for whatever reason. And you you can find really? it sometimes on like Amazon, but it's like pretty rare to to get like a full line of kit without ordering from the U.K. That's weird because like the, the you see people in the kit the kits for like diamond dozen here but when it comes to shoes you never see it you always see like the Giro empires like repainted with the free stripes to the like sambas or something like that but you never see like actual Adidas shoes I think the last ones they did was like they did a rerun of like the Eddie Merckx ones a couple of years ago but they were like team only so like the riders from like the fifth floor and I think some riders from the eight bar team had them but. They weren't for um, consumers at all. Yeah, they're really hard to get hold of. Yeah, I. So, what shoes are you rocking right now? What are what are your my, favorite cycling cycling shoes that you just mentioned? You're about to get muddy. My cycling shoes. Cycling <laughs> shoes. Cycling <laughs> shoes. Um, I think they're called RC fives. So they're Shimano ones. They're like a reflective silver color, but in the reflectiveness, it's like a camo reflect, which. If anyone knows me, I'm obsessed with camo. So yeah, look, look, I managed to get my hand on them. So they would be my my cycle cross shoes, and my my road and track. I got the man. What are they called? The sapphires, sapphires. I forget the name. All I know is that they my track ones are like really shiny blue, and my road ones are like slime green, just to annoy everyone because everyone doesn't. Everyone hates them. I'm like <laughs> good. So I have been riding with uh, mostly my Giro Empire knits, but 
I love Which color do you have? I have the gray ones. With the yellow laces? No, they're just like they're just like straight up gray like almost like a heathered gray with uh with black laces. So they're pretty nice. simple looking, but I really like them. They're super comfortable. Um, but it's kind of getting cold out and they're kind of cold and the overshoes don't like to be under there very much. Like they don't like to be over those shoes for whatever reason. So I also have a pair of the physique gravel shoe. Yeah. Um, which I'm looking up right now to remember the name. Yeah. The Velcro strap. I have the, the physique Terra power strap, uh, and I just have them in all black. Everything I have just, is black. I have a really boring kit, so. <laughs> oh, no. I have, like, black kit, but I let my shoes and helmets do the talking. Yeah. Well, I just got a white helmet. Um, Which one was it? I got a... So, I kind of get deals on Bontrager stuff. So, I got a Bontrager um, wave cell uh, road helmet. Is that the one with the, the special... Um, Almost like a, what you call it? Like a beehive. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got the... <clears throat> honey Honeycomb, I think it's called, isn't it? Almost. Yeah, I got the Bontrager Spectre Wave Cell helmet that kind of has that honeycomb type thing inside, but I got a white one. So I think whenever spring hits, <clears throat> I'm kind of tempted. My friend got the Nike uh, indoor cycling shoe, quote unquote, but he's been riding a track bike outside with them and he hasn't died yet. So part of me kind of wants to, <laughs> to get the Nike uh, super reps just cause they have the white one and they look really cool. I don't know, but maybe it's but a bad idea. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like for all of these uh, football and soccer brands, just make your bloody shoes with cleats in the bottom instead of studs and we'll, we'll buy them easily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so funny because it's kind of like Nike's like first cycling shoe they've had since. I think they tried some out when Lance Armstrong was racing for them. That's right, yeah. And then I know they might have had they might have had a consumer one back then as well, but um, I did hear that they're a little flexy, so I don't know if I'll go with those. I'll probably go with uh something in the spring i do want to do white shoes i know that i know i want to do or i want to, i want rafa to come back out with those like hot pink <laughs> basically they were just yeah. like the rebranded giro shoes yeah that's right yeah they're too expensive for me so yeah me too but yeah you, you, you never know <laughs> rafa send us some discount codes <laughs> yeah i would love it if rafa's you know they're not sponsoring the cycling podcast anymore so sponsor save the track bike let's get let's get wild so in 2021 what's your dream build for a new bicycle i mean i would like to think that i've got a couple of my dream builds but i do have a frame that i've had knocking around my garage for a couple of years now which hasn't had which hasn't seen the daylight and I think I wanted to build it up in the new year. It's my KHS Aero Track. Um, but I think I'm definitely going to build it up with some. I mean, I'm currently scouring eBay right now for some like well priced Sagino 75s. Not the DDs, because I think DDs go with like an aluminium frame person. I'm going to go with like the square taper bottom bracket style. It's already got a Chris King headset, already got Jaguar Nito stem and, a, and Nito for shred bars. and a Thompson seat post um, but I definitely need to build some wheels for it and I'm fairly certain I'm going to go with like some fill wood hubs and just lace it to some hydras and I think that'd be a badass build to be honest so and, and, and with cages I, I haven't had cages in years I've had straps and BMX pedals but I haven't gone with cages so I think this particular frame because it's from the 90s I think it will go well with actual cages what, what, what about you mm, I, my, well I actually already started the process uh, John from Gravel Gang who has the Cycle X bike shop in Kansas who I, we had on the podcast a couple episodes ago um, I'm commissioning him to build me some 650B uh, <laughs> fixed gear wheels so we're going to do some Velocity 650B rims and then laced to um 
laced to some surly ultra hubs because of Hell this. yes. Yeah, because of the spacing, because I'm going to put it on a squid uh, so easy frame set that I haven't 100% decided on the paint yet, but I think I'm going to go for like a gloss black with like white and pink uh, s- splatter on it. That would be sick. With the wheels, just I would like... Did because you, did you know that they were originally made in Melbourne, Australia? The Velocities. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you can scour the internet for some new old stock original rims that are made in Australia, because apparently they're like they're gold, and there are still shops in Australia. There still has. I walked in one when I was out there. And I'm like, they have like ten of them just on the rack, and I was like, oh yo, what about the wheels? And I'm like, yeah, they've been there for like fifteen years. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm going with these rims because uh, John from from the bike shop suggested him. That's what he runs on his Surly Steamroller. You can't go wrong with them. Yeah. And, and then I was thinking about the Paul because uh, they have a hub that is kind of specifically spaced for a fixed gear bike that could put bigger wheels on it or bigger tires on it or with the specific spacing. Um, but they're just so expensive. I just can't, <laughs> I just can't talk myself into it. <laughs> just, just do it. It's a new year. What? <laughs> You're only going to spend that money on, you know, surviving anyway. So you might as well just. <laughs> <laughs> it's tempting because they are really pretty. And I always have loved Surly as like a brand and like what they do for their bikes. But. I think everything they make is fairly ugly. So <laughs> I would love like uh I would love to do um I would love to do the Paul Hubs. I don't know. I'll probably end up going with the Paul Hubs, I'm not gonna lie. Not Phil? Why why Paul over Phil? Uh Phil doesn't have the Phil doesn't have the correct spacing for what I need for this frame. Ah, okay, okay. So I could, I only have like four, I only have three choices, I think, of hubs I can use. And it's the Surly Ultra, the Paul, I forget the specific name of that one, and then the uh, Brick Lane Bikes makes one, but I'm not going to get that in the U.S., so. Fair play. I, I would go with the, the, uh, the Pauls out of all of them choices, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. You know, but the Surly ones are just so much more reasonably priced. <laughs> and I can get them at cost, which I can't really get the Paul ones at cost. Anyway, I'll think about it. Uh, I'll probably go Thompson, Seat Post, and Stem. And then um, I don't know about handlebars. I would like to do something cool like a Nitto or something, but I definitely want it to be kind of black. I want everything to be black. I can't black. stress the Nitto for shred bars enough. They're, 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 they're ultimate bars for everything. Like from downhill mountain biking to fixed gear in the streets. If you want to go wide bar, Nito for shred. I have them on all my bikes. They're sick. Nice. And mm. I think the best place to get them from is uh, Blue Lug. Um, okay. Because I think it's one of the, um, I think it's one of their shop um, employees that's like a mad fixed gear downhiller and he made them in collaboration with Nito. And uh, yeah, now it's like this, has this little following just from this little employee and I, and I love that story so yeah worth the import taxes now the question is what crank set do i put on it because i could do a track crank but i could also do like a one by crank i was kind of thinking about going just sram rival one by crank set i mean that would work you know like te- technically i ride for shimano uk so i'm not meant to say anything but i would so, probably go with it i'd probably go with the <laughs> shram to be honest so. so what you're saying is i should put on a grx one by yeah i was saying that but i've never seen that built as a fixed gear so i've got i've never read any feedback or seen how that w- would go so if i can it, find I'm, a decently I'm sure priced be fine yeah if i could find a decently priced durace uh uh, track crank, I'll probably go that route. Just because it would be kind of cool to have like black frame, black wheels, and then silver components. That would be nuts. Anyway. Uh, with that, let's jump into my interview with Chris from Squid Bikes. Yeah, my name's Chris Amba. I'm uh, one of the 
co-founders and owners of Squid Bikes. Uh, we've kind of like over the years, have, I guess, changed a little bit. We started with just doing uh, US made aluminum cyclocross bikes and now uh, got like multiple models from different uh, points of manufacturing, I guess. So, so we're doing like all our steel manufacturing has moved to Taiwan. Um, still doing U.S. made aluminum and have like kind of done piecemeal Japanese made steel as well. So when did you guys start and how did the company come about? We founded the company in 2014. Uh, it kind of developed from the local cyclocross scene. Um, so there, initially there were four of us, uh, Emily Kachork and uh, Pete Newton, who are like uh, a... Pete is a former road pro and Emily was a former road and cyclocross pro. Uh, Marty Woy, who uh, owned one of the bike shops in Sacramento and then myself. Um, and we were all part of this kind of cyclocross collective where we were doing uh, pickup races. Like there were week, Wednesday night, like free races where anybody could come out and try cyclocross um, and trying to like grow that scene. And Emily was also racing like on the UCI circuit and so we were all kind of traveling a little bit with her and helping her racing. Um, and then in 2013, like Emily's second year of being like a UCI pro, uh, she had a different bike sponsor and the bikes didn't come out quite the way she wanted. And so she ended up putting a bunch of like craft vinyl all over it. And like at all the races, she was getting a ton of attention because her bike was just like kind of wild because it had all these like circles and stripes and checkerboards all over it and then we kind of realized it's like oh we could like make our own bikes and like paint them really crazy and they'll get a bunch of attention like at the races and uh kind of after that in the middle of that season we started plotting at how we could like get bikes and what we wanted them to look like and initially we had talked about trying to do like buying bikes from asia like carbon bikes from asia but we knew we weren't going to be able to like do a real big order initially. And then, so we kind of wanted to focus more on like doing a really quality controlled small batch and ended up working with Ventana, which is also like a Sacramento based company, uh, to build, um, our first batch of aluminum bikes. And they've actually made all of our aluminum bikes since. That's amazing. Yeah. Squid has a very specific, uh, aesthetic to it. Um, where does, where do the, paint ideas come from and and uh yeah let's just go from there yeah it's it's definitely like uh i think changed a bit throughout the years but we've always tried to be like pretty skateboard and snowboard um surf inspired with the company like i think that's become a lot more popular in the last few years but i feel in when we were first starting it was like bikes were very much like black or gray with with red on it. it was like every single cross bike looked like that and it was like i remember like zenix Bar had like a pink bike and that was like real crazy because his bike <laughs> wasn't red like <laughs> and so we had always like especially the first year we had really tried to figure out a way to like try and do like skateboard inspired graphics on bikes and that's like that first year we had the seat tube wrap on emily's bike and anthony's bike had like mermaids and el caminos like uh, decals like <laughs> all over it um and since then it's still just been kind of like finding a lot of times i just like am on youtube looking at like people's craft channels and i'm like oh that's a cool way they they put paint on that thing it's like we could do that on a bike and so uh like the things like the dish soap and uh the saran wrap it, it's just uh like things I've seen people do to modify like furniture or like other things um, and just trying to adapt existing things like that or like modify uh, different uh, crafting styles to make them work on a bike, I guess. Cycling, especially in the racing world, is just so conservative as far as like aesthetic goes and stuff like that. So it is really cool to see that. And you say that it is getting more popular. And of course, you know, this last year, uh, Rafa and, uh, EF education first had a collaboration with, uh, with, uh, palace skateboards and, yeah. and that just like blew up. Like everybody was like freaking out about it. 
And it's just really cool to see some, a company like yours who I think I just saw on Instagram, maybe through spray bike or something like that. Um, and I've been following you guys ever since. And just, you know, every time a, a picture of one of your bikes comes up, I like immediately know like, Oh, this must be a squid thing. And, and there's just such a strong, uh, aesthetic behind it. And even down to like taking Dickies and putting chamois in them, like, that's just amazing to see. Um, and so I really appreciate about that, about the company. And also, you know, this is a save the track bike podcast. You guys are one of the few companies that really does track lacrosse bikes, like fixed gear bikes with giant tire clearance and, and slacker geometry. Let's talk about that a little bit. Where did that bike come from? Uh, yeah. So the NorCal track lacrosse scene is super strong. Um, Gene Padilla in Oakland was like putting on the resistance series and like, uh, he now lives in Oakland too, but this guy, Devin Armstrong was living in SAC and he was really my first introduction to track lacrosse. He just came by the shop one day cause he was throwing a race and I told him I'd give him prizes and he and I went for a ride on the river and he was like, on this like goat track bike with like 25 C like pan racers on there. And I'm just like, he was telling me about how he wanted to do all these track lacrosse races. I was like, all right, let's go ride some trails and see what you got. And he's like, he was just fucking ripping like so fucking hard <laughs> on the absolute like wrong bike. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. And so I went out to my first race and I just took my like single speed cross bike, which had a, it was a canty bike. So I had a flip flop hub. And I just like flipped the rear wheel to uh, the fixed side and like did my first race. And I was like, oh man, this is awesome. And so like stripped down that bike and it was like riding like my Canty cross bike fixed on the trails for a while. And then we started talking about like really trying to do like a production run um, of them and like what that would look like. And we did like... uh, I still think a couple more where they were adaptive cross bikes, where it was like, I think at NABs one of the years, um, it was like I, one of the new cross bikes that we put out, I just had no, uh, like cable routing on it. And so like, it still had like brake tabs and stuff so that I could make it a single speed one day. But, um, it went from there and then we were kind of figuring out like, can we like make a run of dedicated track lacrosse bikes domestically, but it was kind of like, uh, price, uh, the price was too high to feel like it was going to be like an entry level thing. And that's where we started working with brick lane bikes and went to making that the batch in Taiwan. Um, but the, the geometry behind it was more inspired by like older cyclocross bikes I'd ridden where it was like, uh, somewhere in between like a modern cross bike and like obviously like a full-blown track bike where it's like the bottom bracket's still like pretty high um and the head angle is not quite as slack as like a modern cross bike but it's like definitely a lot more like forgiving than like your standard track bike and so it's like kind of finding something like in between where it still has that good like feel of like a fixed gear but like uh is more uh, I guess appropriate for riding off road, um, and trying to find that balance. Yeah, I know that's super interesting to me. Cause I, you know, I ride road bikes and stuff and, and track bikes. I've ridden track bikes for a long time, but you know, I live in the Midwest now and we have all these like crazy gravel events and I'm just like kind of aching to try to do one of these long distance gravel events on a track bike. And so every time I see like, uh, somebody post or, or you guys post one of your bikes, I'm just like, Oh man, like this, this needs to happen at some point. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, I'm trying to remember when it was, it was probably two years ago. Cause we, we, for a while we'd been doing this ride from like our shop to this year in Nevada brewery, which is roughly like 130 miles. And like the first time we did it, we all did it on single speeds. And so then the year after that, we're like, okay. Like, how can we make it, like, more dumb and hard? And it's like, okay, let's do it all on track lacrosse bikes. So then we all rode, like, fixed gear from, like, Sacramento to Chico, um, I, which was, like, on as much gravel as possible. And, like, it's – it's they're, they're pretty fun, other than the fact that you can't, like, 
kind of coast and spin out your legs every once in a while. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it made the, the, the flat 130 miles a little bit more interesting. There you go. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about what makes squid bikes different. I mean, we touched on a lot of things, but just as far as like your brand being so singular, like, what do you think that comes from? I think a little bit it's developed from the fact that like we are like a really small company, like actively on the day to day, there's only really three of us. Um, and that makes us really like nimble. So internally, if we have, if somebody's got some kind of idea or weird project they want to do, it's really easy for us to like really chase things down. We don't have to do like market research or worry about like, I don't like, uh, investors or anything like that because it is just like such a small, small group of us. And, um, we've all been in the industry, I think for a long time and from different aspects of it. So we all have like a pretty unique, uh, look at things. And so we all have, we all, especially coming into it had changes we would have wanted to see in the industry. And so that helped kind of shape, uh, a lot of the decisions we made with the aesthetic of things, um, where it was, especially like in 2013, it's like kit was really boring bikes were really boring and it's like it's been really fun to see like across the board like people start to like push like and do more interesting things and see a lot more like um involved and like developed paint jobs where it's not just like big logos people are doing like uh really intense graphics all over their bikes and stuff it's it's cool to see let's talk a little bit about your history with cycling how did you get into it and uh how did you end up in this industry um so my dad uh is a cyclist so like as a kid i like started riding bikes um as like a junior um and then uh probably high school i was like over like i was like i don't want to ride bikes anymore i just want to like snowboard and so i like at that point i was working in a skate shop um and then right after high school this the ski shop i was working at also you had to like tune bikes in the summer and so then like started like getting back into bikes just from like a maintenance standpoint and then um one of the bad snow years i was just like all right whatever like and i had like i think it was probably 2008 or 2009 i saw like the mash video i was like oh track bikes look cool i'll buy one of those <laughs> and so i i bought like a nash bar like shitty fucking bike and like rode that for a while and then like did like bought like a shitty like leader like aluminum like tor- <laughs> and it was like but that 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 was a really good progression for me. Cause then all of a sudden I was like, all right, I'm like riding like 60, 80 miles on this, like on this bike that has like no bottle cages on it. It's like full aluminum. And it's just rigid as fuck. And, um, it was when I started trying to do like these really hilly like rides and was going out to like the Bay area and stuff. And I was like, Oh, like maybe I'll go get my old road bike. And I did like Diablo on like this old Trek, like, it had like a triple and like I think eight speed Sora in the back and uh like climbed all the way to the top and I was like oh man this is awesome it's like I should probably spend more time riding bikes and then just kind of like from there I bought like I knew a road bike and it was been working in shops uh off and on since like high school and then kind of found the local cyclocross scene because my dad was a photographer and he was just like, yeah, you want to go to this race with me? I like watched one race. And then the next weekend I was like, okay, I'm going to go try it. And I like borrowed a bike and just like crashed like every turn. Cause I had never really ridden off road either. It was just like, was trying to go like fucking Mach five into every turn and we just like crash and crash and crash. And it was still like super fun. And so then kind of just grew naturally out of the local like crossing. Cause here it's like pretty inviting and like really, really nice scene. Yeah, that's really interesting that <clears throat> so many people that came from track bikes like kind of moved on to cross and doing road and stuff like that. And I feel like it's really changing the landscape of of like road cycling a lot as far as like aesthetically and, and things like that. So, um, but what do you think it was about track bikes that really attracted you to that? Uh, I mean, it like especially coming from like skateboarding and like snowboarding, it was the idea of like, Oh yeah, it's got no brakes on it. 
it's like these videos of guys like swooping between cars and shit. And it's like, there's something when you hop on the track bike too, where it's like, um, it feels like, like a skateboard kind of where you like, when you like turn and kind of carve it, but you don't get with the freewheel. Um, and that like, I mean, you do a little, but it's like, it feels different. And it's like, I know, you know, the feeling like when you just yeah. like push through that turn really hard and like the bike feels really smooth and you're like really engaged with it. And that was something that like the first time I rode like, uh, the fixed gear, I was like, oh, okay, I'm sold on this. This is rad. And like, um, that I'm really thankful for it. Cause it brought me back to bikes. Cause it was like in high school, it was like, I remember it very like vividly. It was like wearing Lycra riding on the bike trail and like was riding through town and like saw a bunch of my friends, like in a car. And I was just so embarrassed. And like, in hindsight, it's like, whatever, but like, yeah. as a little high school yeah. kid, it's like, you're wearing like spandex. And, it was, like, <laughs> and so it's like the next day at school, they're all talking. It's like, oh man, look at you and your little wrestling tights and stuff. And it's like, oh, this sucks. That's funny. I actually, I lived, you know, uh, through my twenties, I would have never been caught dead in Lycra for sure. Um, but, <laughs> uh, then, you know, you, you get a little older or whatever and you're putting in more miles and you're like, Oh, I get it. Like I'm going to wear a, a chamois and stuff like that. Um, but it's really funny cause I moved from Denver to, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I'm based now, like a year and a half ago. And just like the vibe of whenever my friends see me like in a full kit or whatever is just like <laughs> people are not used to it here that yeah. much. <laughs> so I still get a little bit of that. So part of me, like whenever I'm like commuting and stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get like some Dickies with a chamois in it. That's like such a cool idea. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because MASH too is just such a huge, I feel like. 75% of the people that have been on this podcast are like, oh yeah, I saw MASH videos and we're like, yeah. And I was, it was the same. I was the same. Like, yeah. yeah. It was those two videos. It was MASH and Macaframa. And I think for me, it was MASH. Uh, you know, all my friends were kind of getting into it. And I was like, I was riding a single speed bike to like commute um, just because, you know, I was young and I didn't have a job really and <laughs> i was working part-time and i just couldn't afford a car to get to work so i just got a bike um and then it was you know such a thing that could become part of like my identity a little bit and i think that that's like what is such a beautiful thing about fixed gear bikes because it was such a low barrier to entry yeah and like you were saying you know starting off with a your Nash bar and then, you know, slightly upgrade to a leader and then upgrade to a, you know, maybe like a Chinelli or something. And then, um, and then now, you know, you've built yourself into having this like rad company that's like making one of the few, uh, track lacrosse bikes that exists. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, what models of bikes your company makes. Um, so the cyclocross bike was like the very first one. Um, and that's like at our core, I think still just like a huge chunk of our like identity is like, we all first and foremost, like my favorite type of riding I think is still, or like racing is cyclocross It's like, I, I work, uh, I still work for the U S national, uh, cyclocross team in the winter. Well, except for this year, but, um, uh, it's, and that, that, that's still like a huge chunk of like where we're, we're all born out of, um, but uh, we've got that. The, the Fuck Off Johnny is our, like, all-mountain hardtail. Uh, Shred to Ed's is our 26-inch, like, cruiser BMX bike. Um, and it's, like, named after this liquor store ride, basically, that we do we, every Monday from the shop to this, like, along the single track to the liquor store. Everyone gets a beer, and then we go drink by the river. It's, like, fun little, like, community ride. We did a small batch of these, like, road bikes in japan that we called the salary man like named after the, the japanese business guys yeah um the so easy the track lacrosse bike and then early next year we've got a like a gravel a steel 650 gravel bike coming out that we're calling the gravtron nice where did the where did the name so easy come from so like uh 2017 i think um one of my buddies from Japan uh, came and stayed at my house for like a month and we like, he was out during one of the track lacrosse races, but like 
it's like a common term and a phrase for him is like he's always like when something's like no big deal he's always like ah so easy and so like uh if if like uh and so it's just like a common thing we'd always like kind of joke about is like something like especially like almost in jest if it's like really gonna be fucked up you'd be like no 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 worries it's so easy it's so easy <laughs> and so that was like kind of like we were like oh you know like trackle cross is like definitely not an easy i mean it it it's approachable but like when it's not the easiest way to ride a bike you're like no. riding like inappropriate like equipment off-road and so that was kind of the joke is like yeah oh, you know track lacrosse so easy there you go that's funny uh what are some of the spec of the bike just for the bike nerds out there that are listening just as far as like materials that it's made of tire clearances stuff like that yeah um so the the whole frame Forker forty one thirty um, chromoly uh, front triangles all double butted tubing. Um, uh, we used uh, a one thirty five like this is like where it gets really weird for like uh, hardcore track guys is we did like all mountain bike standard stuff uh, to help get that additional tire clearance. Um, so we did one thirty five rear spacing uh, almost like designed exclusively around the Paul word fixed word hub which they kind of started reproducing at the encouragement of us when we were like starting to convert all these cyclocross bikes into track lacrosse bikes. Um, but it allows for um, uh, like the additional tire clearance by moving the whole chain line out um, away from uh, the core, uh, the center line of the frame. And so we can do, I've seen uh larger but I, I say like 700 by 43 you can tuck it pretty far in the dropouts and then 650 47 like clears no problem and then up front anthony runs like a 700 22 it's like and it it's crazy like because we've got that big like segmented fork you can put uh, a pretty beefy tire up front yeah that fork looks pretty beefy too yeah <laughs> It has a very specific look to it, which I really like. Um, yeah. And then as far as like, I've seen people running kind of one bike cranks a lot, like, uh, yeah, because of that spacing, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, um, the, one of the things I learned kind of early on with doing these conversions is, um, a lot of the, uh, like adjustable spider cranks. So like the SRAM force or the rotor, um, RD one or, RD3 or whatever it is, um, cranks where there's like a six bolt spider that's bolted onto the arm. The spider tends to like develop play when you run it fixed because I think they're designed to only be really driven one direction. Um, and so I ended up settling on like uh, like SRAM Apex cranks because it's a forged one piece spider uh, uh, to the arm. Okay. Um, and so it like our go-tos now are like basically either that or just running square taper with like a slightly longer spindle. So like on mine, I've got uh 75s with a like 120 fill wood bottom bracket. Yeah. And if someone's interested um, in buying a complete bike from you guys, like what's the process like? I've got like two rough builds that we kind of like lead lean people towards, but I'll, because we do mostly just frames, um, we'll kind of custom tailor a little bit. Um, for you especially if you have like it's easiest when someone comes to us and they're like this is exactly what i want and it's like cool no problem i'll get you a price and it's like that that's my favorite is like helping someone build out their like dream thing or every once in a while somebody's like this is my budget what's the coolest thing you can build me and so we'll do we'll do that quite a bit too um but it's uh like we've previously we'd really just only offered like one or two kind of builds for a lot of our bikes and tried to streamline things. And like, we've had to be a lot, especially this year with like lack of availability and yeah. parts is be a lot more fluid. And so it's like, I don't even advertise like the build kits because it's like totally week to week what I can get. And so a lot of times it's like have to kind of work with the customer to be like, this is what's available. Like, what do you want? And, but I think it's made for like, a little bit where it's a little bit more personal for the customer because they're getting to choose like what they're putting on. Yeah. How, and what is the, so on the website, like all the frames are, are raw. It looks like, um, what's the paint situation like? Um, so on the, so easy, the price is six, six, six for the ED coated, um, frame. And then we, cause we're also the 
spray bike distributor, we, we give customers uh, a discount on their spray bike order. And so they kind of buy it as a bundle. Um, or if we paint it for you, um, you like fill out the, the sandwich form that we've got and it, the painted cost is 800. That's really reasonable. Yeah. That's what we try. <laughs> yeah. That's really sick. Um, and, um, I mean, I'm curious to know now because you kind of mentioned, uh, you know, this pandemic, there's been a bike boom, you know, the industry's like behind on all this stuff because of just how many people were buying bikes, especially towards the beginning and over the summer. Um, how did that affect like a company of your size? It was really weird. So we had one of our, we're way behind on our domestic bike order because, um, our tubing order got canceled at the beginning of the year. Um, when probably, well, I guess it would have been like March. Um, and we like, so that we're real behind on that. The, our refill order of so easy's was more or less on time because we got it in. Like when the pandemic hit, we were like, okay, whatever. It's easy to scratch our expensive bike, but let's put like resources into like our more affordable bike. Cause that's what going into it. We thought that was going to be uh, a more reliable um, product for us to try and push through like a pandemic. Um, and so um, at least with frames, like I think we got lucky because that was one of the ones, one of our orders that we didn't cancel. And I, I think that's a lot of the bigger companies that that's why they're seeing these delays because immediately everyone is just like, all right, whatever. Like this is going to crush sales, like stop everything. And so everyone had to like reprocess orders. Um, and so uh, our, we did really well in paint and bikes because I think we had inventory that pushed us. Like we're just, running out of so easy's right now but we've got more that should be here in the next couple weeks we're like hoping end of december and so like that that timing i think we just lucked into being really fortunate um because yeah, it wasn't anything tactical <laughs> are you are you pretty surprised by the response of the track lacrosse bike like you mentioned being a little worried it was has it met your expectations or gone beyond the the reception yeah. of them yeah i think um uh, it's cool. been really cool to see just like track lacrosse kind of take off everywhere. And be, that's one of the cool things about like social media is like, you can see all these different pockets where there's like little groups doing their own races. And like, um, that, that's been, that was really encouraging for us in like investing in trying to, to make a dedicated track lacrosse bike because we knew, there, there at least is enough of like an online presence that there should be a market for it. Um, and it still seems to have momentum behind it. So I'm really hopeful for like when bike racing can like kind of safely come back, that there's really going to be a good track lacrosse scene because um, there is, it's so prevalent online and the, the demand for the bike seems to be there. What's the big picture plans for, for squid? Or at least like in the near future, like hopefully once life gets a little bit back to normal and stuff like that, as far as like things you want to support, events you want to support, or bikes that are in the pipeline. I know you mentioned a 650B gravel bike coming. We want to do, we're going to do like an update to our cross bike. So like that, that's been one of the big things that we, when we canceled our order, we are like, okay, like we're going to do a redesign. So that's been one of the things is like trying to do, we're, I've been really hesitant to embrace internal routing because <laughs> I, I really <laughs> don't like it. Um, but so like, that's one of the big things we're doing. Like we're going to go flat now because it's like a lot of these like, uh, thing, like things that have just become standard in the industry that I, I, especially working with Sherwood, who's an engineer and that he doesn't like from an engineer's perspective. And I don't like from a mechanics perspective, we try to drag our feet for as long as we could on. Um, and now we're at the point where it's like, okay, we have to kind of like embrace these, uh, changes that the rest of the industry is like adapted to. Um, and so that's going to be probably the next big after the gravel bike. Um, and then after that, it's kind of in the air. Um, we've talked about doing like maybe, um, a steel version of the Taekwondo. So like it just a little bit more cost effective, um, just basic track bike um 
And like uh, that bike was actually kind of designed for doing red hooks just in time for like there to not be any more red hooks. But um, yeah, it's kind of right now it's up in the air. Like we've got those two bikes kind of in the pipeline. So until those kind of show up, we don't have really anything concrete, but um, we'll see, I guess. Maybe another road bike. Uh, All right. I'm still in the, I mean, I kind of feel you on internal routing. I mean, I'm still in the uh, rim brake camp, so. <laughs> yeah, no, well, we, we, we would still make rim brake cross bikes if Envy still made rim brake cross forks. Yeah. But that, that was like, because I, I still have a, a Canty cross bike. That is my like go-to cross bike. Yeah, I think my like dream cross bike right now is probably like a Richard Sachs like Canty all steel steel fork steel. <laughs> Hell yeah! He was selling his personal bike at the beginning of uh, the pan or one of his personal bikes, and he's about my size, and it was really tempting. Oh man! But I was like, what am I, what am I gonna do with this thing? Like, <laughs> just hang it on the wall. Yeah. They're so pretty. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I'm still riding an all-city Mr. Pink. Like, the pink one okay. before they went to the carbon fork. Like, it's still the steel yeah. fork rim brake. <laughs> Hell yeah. And it's my favorite bike. I love it so much. I just love it. But, you know, now I'm thinking of getting a so easy, so we'll see. <laughs> I think that might be my next bike. <laughs> um, To be, like, my everyday workhorse slash uh, do some gravel races on it. What else do you want people to know about squid bikes before we head out? I don't know. We covered like pretty much everything. We we're just trying to, for the most part, just have fun with things. It's like, we've obviously seen a, like a lot of change and that, I guess one of the big things for us moving forward, uh, for 2021 is we're probably gonna, we, we don't have a UCI cyclocross team anymore. So we're going to try and refocus a lot on like a lot more of the grassroots scene. And then, um, also hopefully get to put on track across worlds, it was scheduled to be this summer in Sacramento, but, uh, so hopefully, uh, with the vaccine and everything and we can get stuff under control. And so hopefully people can come out to Sacramento and Oakland and come ride, uh, the, the local scene. Yeah. I would actually love to come out and cover that for the podcast. I think that'd be super fun. Yeah. So we'll have to talk. It'd be cool to do something together. Chris, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find, uh, more information? Uh, just squidbikes.com and squidbikes on Instagram. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, thanks. And that does it for this episode of Save the Track Bike. Thank you for listening. Visit us at savethetrackbike.com or on Instagram at savethetrackbike. And don't forget to leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcast because they really help us out. This show is a part of Figure Podcasts. Visit figurepodcast.com to check out our other shows. And our theme song is Slag Girl by Vitamin Beds. This show was produced by me, Joshua LeBure. And Chris, what song are we playing out today? Oh, yeah, it's my choice. You chose last time. It's your choice. Yeah, definitely. Mm, what song are we going to play on with today? You know, I've been uh, listening to a lot, you know, revisiting a lot of uh, Saves the Day recently. Oh, go for that. So I think I'm going to play out with a Saves the Day do song. It. I'm going to do Saves the Day... I really know one name of this. I know a lot of their songs, but only one name, of course, is at your funeral. So I'm going to play out with Saves the Day as your ghost takes flight from the album Stay What You Are. Sick song. (laughs) 